Hello, and welcome back to another episode of You Heard It Here First, the show that helps you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, and on today's show, we're getting out our magnifying glass and hunting for clues as we review a new Agatha Christie collection. Then I resist the urge to turn into a complete fangirl over Billie Eilish and her book. Let's get stuck in, shall we? To kick things off, we have a couple of reviews from you. As you know, I love finding out what books have got you all talking. So I've rummaged through the Audible bestsellers list and have picked out some customer reviews that you might like. This week, I have chosen The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Shiguru. Let's hear your thoughts. First up, we have Emily Essex, who left this five-star review. Heartbreaking. A touching and at times difficult look at the old world of England through the eyes of an utmost professional. Interesting and resonant thoughts on loyalty, duty, class, love and the conflict between what might better be called Tatami and Hon, the private and public self. Dignified, warm and at times genuinely funny narration by Dominic West, who conveys Mr Stevens with total conviction. What a glowing review! Now, let's hear from Marge Simpson, though presumably not the actual Marge Simpson, who has mixed feelings and gave it three stars. Gentle and vague. The story kept up a gentle, meandering pace throughout. I was fully expecting something to happen, which never did. And quite abruptly, the story ended. It was a pleasant book, read well, and I enjoyed the style. I'm just left feeling a bit nonplussed. Thank you to Emily Essex and Marge Simpson for those reviews of The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguru. You can find it on the Audible website today. Each week, we pick out different reviews from Audible to see what you've been loving. Keep your ears peeled in future episodes to find out if I featured one of your reviews here. Now it's time to get into a new release from the Queen of Crime. Today I'm reviewing Midsummer Mysteries by Agatha Christie. This is a new collection of her classic stories that delivered the heat that we all waited hopelessly for this summer, which made it a great listen for a rainy beach holiday in Wales. As the temperature rises in these stories, so do the potential threats from the cunning, evil and downright manipulative villains. We're treated to 13 mystery-filled short stories, including classics like Death on the Nile and Harlequin's Lane, and some lesser-known tales like The Adventure of the Italian Nobleman. Christy takes us around the world with her tales. One minute you're taking in the grand sea view in Cornwall, and the next you're in the French Riviera. It's the travelling I wished I could have done this year. The handpicked stories for this collection are devilishly good and really held me captive as I tried to solve the mysteries and figure out the red herrings. My favourite story was right at the beginning called The Bloodstained Pavement. We're introduced to Joyce, a painter who tells the story to Mrs Marple of her holiday where she subconsciously paints drops of blood on the pavement. She's told by a suspicious looking man that this is a local superstition, meaning a death will occur within 24 hours. Joyce is then shocked to hear that a woman drowned soon after. However, Mrs. Marple is not convinced by this coincidence and suspects foul play. Let's have a listen. Meanwhile, I had deliberately been nerving myself to prove how ridiculous my fancies were. 
When the car had gone, I, I went over to the inn and examined the pavement closely. Of course, there were no bloodstains there. No, all along it had been the result of my distorted imagination. Yet somehow it seemed to make the thing more frightening. It was while I was standing there that I heard the fisherman's voice. He was looking at me curiously. You thought you saw bloodstains here, eh, lady? I nodded. That is very curious. We got a superstition here, lady. If anyone sees those bloodstains, he paused. There'll be a death within 24 hours. Creepy. Gave me a nasty feeling all down my spine. The thing I love about this collection is that the conclusion of each story is so delightfully satisfying. Without fail, the detective solves the murder and figures out the villain's elaborate plans and motives. What's great about the book is that as it's a collection of short stories, you can dip in and out as you please without committing to an eight-hour novel. Stories range from 20 minutes through to an hour long, so you can finish them with ease on your commute or while you're sorting out dinner. That said, some of the stories were a little harder to follow than others. I found myself easily distracted or completely disinterested in some of the plots of the slightly longer tales in the collection. If you're not used to Agatha Christie's writing style, or if English isn't your first language, the dated language might throw you. It can be quite flowery, for lack of a better word, and she'll reference things like a bathing house instead of a beach hut. Having said that, I don't think the book would be the same if it were modernised. The production of this audiobook was brilliant and felt more like a drama than just a narration. The narrators did a fantastic job of reviving Christie's most famous characters like Poirot, Mrs. Marple and Parker Pine. And can I just say, the voice of Poirot was uncanny to that of David Suchet's portrayal of the character. If you're already a fan, chances are you'll experience a heavy dose of nostalgia. Think Poirot and Mrs. Marple reruns on in the background of your nan's house. Agatha Christie is no stranger to writing. She famously wrote 66 detective novels and 14 short story collections that have sold over 2 billion copies. Insane. An amount surpassed only by the Bible and the works of William Shakespeare. She really does deserve the title of Queen of Crime. So, if this book turns you into a Christie fan, you can find her huge amount of work, including Midsummer Mysteries, on the Audible website today. Now it's time for our Hidden gem section of the show, where I take a look through some slightly older treasures on the Audible website. And the book I've chosen today is Billie Eilish in Her Own Words by Billie Eilish. Where to begin with this book? I'll be honest and say this is definitely not for everyone. It's mainly ideal for fans of Billie Eilish, which in all honesty could be a niche choice even for us. But I'm an Eilish fan since watching her documentary, Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry, back in the spring. And she does have 90 million followers on Instagram, so I can be pretty sure it's not just me. This isn't really a book or an audiobook by any stretch of the imagination. It's a collection of photographs charting the timeline of Billie's life up to, well, as close to the publishing of the book. And it's narrated by Billie and her parents, Maggie Beard and Patrick O'Connell. A book of photos might sound like a strange choice for an audiobook, but please do bear with me. 
The book starts organically with Billy awkwardly stumbling through the introduction, which is immediately disarming. She explains what we'll be seeing and hearing and quickly hands off to her parents to recount her early years. But if you're a fan, you'd know this is part of her charm and effortless call. Before I forget, you'll 100% need to refer to the accompanying PDF to follow along with their recollections about the moments captured in the images. What is annoying is that not every image they reference is in the PDF. So if you're following along diligently, like I was, that's something to be mindful of. Ultimately, it's a description of family photos accompanied by memories and personal anecdotes. So if you're one of those people who remembers being dragged around to a neighbor's house to look at their holiday slides on a projector, this is the audiobook version of that experience. Have a listen. You know when you're a kid and you learn something new and then you never shut up about it? That was kind of how this was when I learned the alphabet and knew it by heart. (laughs) And I just would write it everywhere. And of course, the Q is upside down, the S is backwards. That's just how it is being a kid. But I was so excited. I was like, yes, I know it by heart. And I'm, I'm going to write it on the sand. And oh, Billy on the beach in that little skirt that she always wore. This is what we refer to as the homeschooling picture, because there she is writing the alphabet in the sand, pretty much on her own, not entirely self-taught, but she got the alphabet just by absorbing it. We didn't drill the letters. We didn't drill all that stuff. We just, oh, we just did it for fun. Exposed we'd, her to it, yeah. Yeah, we'd make letters for fun, and then there she is on the beach just compelled to do it, which it's so sweet. See what I mean? The narration feels unstructured by design. But don't let this put you off. It's still weirdly fluid and organic. Also, the book is just under two hours, so it works well as a background listen for a long bus or train commute. Overall, this book is definitely one for the Billie Eilish lovers. You might also enjoy it if you like to learn about musicians and creatives and the things that inspire and inform their art. I came away feeling like I understood Billie a little more as an artist, and it was great to get the backstory to some of the more iconic moments in her career, like the making of her Don't Smile at Me EP cover and the infamous tarantula in her mouth video. But you'll have to check out the book to hear that from Billie herself. So that's Billie Eilish, in her own words, by Billie Eilish. You can find it on Audible today. Next up are two incredible guests who can't wait to share with you their favourite lessons. First up is Frances Erlem from Audible. Hey, Frances. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you tell us what you've chosen for us today? Who's it by and what's it about? So I'd like to talk about... From Cradle to Stage by Virginia Grohl. Uh, it's Dave Grohl's mum, as in Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters and from Nirvana. Nice. And I've been meaning to read this book for ages, for so long. And then I noticed that Dave's got a autobiography mm-hmm. coming out later this year. And so I thought this would be the perfect pre-listen to that autobiography. Amazing. So is it fair to say that you're a fan? (laughs) I I think it's pretty clear that I'm a fan of Dave Grohl. Did you feel like you learned more about his life from his mum's book then? Absolutely. Even though in actual fact, it's definitely from the perspective of a mum of a rock star. And that's the premise of the book. It's Virginia talking to other mums of rock and pop stars 
and talking about what their children were like growing up. Mm -hmm. Did they see that talent and how did they react to it? And how do they feel about what their children have done now? And so the book is split into chapters where Virginia is talking to different mums, but also in between those chapters, she has these vignettes. And these vignettes, as she calls them, are her talking about Dave in particular and about her and her family, Mm -hmm. but also about what it must be like to live in a musical family. Oh, that sounds brilliant. I really, really enjoyed how this book was put together. It's just so like heartfelt and earnest and it's just so nice hearing from the mums of all of these like incredible artists and musicians who have just gone on to do like the most astonishing things. It's so warm, isn't it? I think um, Virginia does a really good job in the way that she tells stories. Her storytelling is wonderful. There are parts where she's talking about going to the White House to see Dave Grohl perform and she like describes what the White House is like and you can picture being there. It also brings it back down to kind of normal levels. You can picture Dave as a kid at school mm-hmm. and him playing the drums on pillows and, and <laughs> stuff like that. Like it's so easy to picture because she has a great way of storytelling. It's beautifully formatted And also she's got a great voice. I could listen to her all day, almost more than I could listen to Dave all day. Like, (laughs) such a cool mum. Yeah. Was there a moment in the book that just really stood out for you that you just absolutely loved hearing about? Absolutely. There's a, a point in one of the vignettes where Virginia talks about Nirvana being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014 and her going to watch the show. Uh, she talks about Kurt Cobain's mum being there and them it being a very emotional event. But I think what was really beautiful about this was it really showed how much Dave, the band, and all their crew, all those years ago, are still friends. In this clip that you're about to hear, Virginia's talking about going clubbing with them afterwards to celebrate. <laughs> uh, she is just... The coolest mum ever. (laughs) Amazing. Let's hear a clip. Perhaps the biggest event, at least in my life story, occurred in 2014 when my son was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I couldn't wait to see Wendy Cobain O'Connor, Kurt's mother, even as I worried that the emotion of hearing tributes to the son she had lost would be a heavy emotional burden. The show became a wonderful reminder of the powerful music they played. David was back on drums, pounding harder than ever, hair flying straight up. We all had a lovely, happy time singing along. Wendy even danced. Afterward, well after midnight, we went to a club David had rented, where Nirvana played for the last time until five in the morning. The honor of being in the Hall of Fame and the trophies that came with it are treasures. But it was the presence of that first family who came to honor their old friends and who remembered how it was when it all began that made the night so magical and special. Were there any other artist stories that stood out for you? Yeah, there were several that really stood out. I think Gary Clark Jr.'s mom talking about taking him around clubs when he was 12, <laughs> like not only supporting your child to really go and play music, but also practically supporting them by being there when he's not supposed to be 
inner club he's underage like there are stories with Dr Dre Mm -hmm. and his mum it really had an impact on on me listening to the hardship that she'd faced and also as a a young mum kind of supporting her children and one of the stories about NWA's like lyrics and stuff and how did his mum feel about some of those lyrics and stuff Mm -hmm. was really interesting that sounds beautiful. I, I actually really can't wait to finish this book and just dive deep into the lives of everyone because I think mums always have great stories and are often overlooked. Why should people download this? I would encourage friends who have got children to listen to this book. I think even if your children aren't displaying a particular musical talent, perhaps <laughs> there's something about music that can bring people together as a family. And also, like, if you do have children that are showing some musical ability like it might just give you the confidence to be a bit easier on them when they do want to focus on that and you might have the next rock star (laughs) on your hands amazing thank you so much francis cheers from cradle to stage by virginia girl was francis's pick this week you can find it on audible And looking to impress us with their pick is special guest, author and screenwriter, Linda LaPlante. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the podcast. Can you briefly tell us who you are and what you do? Okay, my name is Linda LaPlante and I am a producer, writer and novelist. Amazing. Can you tell us what you've chosen for us today? Who's it by? What's it about? I've chosen a book called Sphinx by Hugo Vickers. The reason I actually got interested in the book Sphinx was because I just read Hugo Vickers' book about the Duchess of Windsor. Nice. And, oh, it was so good. But uh, <laughs> I, I think the Sphinx is better. Amazing. So Gladys Deacon was the Duchess of Marlborough, right? And I read that the idea of the book title, The Sphinx, came from two sphinxes outside Blenheim Palace that have Gladys's face on them, which is so bizarre. So what was it that attracted you to the book? I think because with the Duchess of Windsor, there has been so much information about her. Mm-hmm. But with the Sphinx, there isn't anyone of such stunning beauty that takes your breath away. There is one photograph of ladies, that actually slightly compares her to Princess Diana. But she was very, very different. And obviously, you know, set in the 20s and 30s and 40s, there's a lot more to her background and her longevity. I mean, she Mm. lived to a ripe old age in her late 90s. She certainly did. What an interesting life she had lived. The author, Hugo Vickers, has added extra material to this version of the book 30 years from when it was first published. Had you read or listened to the original version at all? No, I now have obviously done so. And you actually hear her speaking, which is mm. very, very freaky. It's very hard to describe somebody of such massive intelligence, such ability artistically, and, you know, her lover's. Apparently at one time she actually said that she'd probably slept with every prime minister and a few kings as well. (laughs) But it was how you have a woman of such beauty that she purportedly took men's breath away. Were there any standout moments in the book? Anything that you just completely 
fell in love with that you just stopped what you were doing you just had to just take that moment in yeah but the strange thing was it was a moment where Vickers himself was shocked when he read about it and it was written by um, the husband of the famous Diana Cooper but he described seeing this extraordinary woman in a jewelry shop and it was wearing a man's hat big thick leather belt filthy filthy skirt and boots but there was something about her as she was bending over talking to the jeweler and he thought my god that is Gladys Beacon I know it so he went into her and he said excuse me um Gladys and she said but I've no idea who you are but it was her and you think, how do you go from that sumptuous, elegant, gorgeous woman into this, well, she looked like a witch. Oh, wow. Hugo Vickers became so engrossed in that one sort of throwaway description and tracked her down. Members of the Marlborough family put her in a hospital, or as she described yeah. it, a madhouse, where she remained for 15 years. And that's where Hugo Vickers went to visit. Let's have a listen. Once a little light had been shed on the past, I realised that she would respond to books, liked looking at pictures and discussing the different characters. Most of all, she liked looking at art books and the works of artists. Gradually, I worked my way through the artists, writers and society figures of her day, a process mutually enjoyed and with many tangents and diversions. Only one subject remained taboo unless she mentioned it, and that was her identity. She was never to be directly associated with her past. She might say, Rodin liked to precipitate himself on every woman he met, you know, hands all over you. But if I said, ah, you knew him then, she would either shut up like a clam, or say, I never met him, but a close woman friend of mine told me. And when I dared to ask her once, where is Gladys Deacon? She looked at me with a twinkle in her eye and said slowly, Gladys Deacon, she never existed. It is a tremendous book. I, I did not know about Gladys Deacon at all. This was my first introduction to her. So thank you for recommending this because it is a truly fascinating listen from start to finish. And it's quite marvellous that Hugo has been able to update the book with the archival footage that really really just adds something to the listen like it just makes it so real and so grounding in that way your new crime thriller unholy murder which is next in the Tennyson detective series also features a fascinating female lead could you tell us a little bit more about it well jane Tennyson is you know getting older now and each new Tennyson book because this is number seven unholy murder is really exciting because i love growing her older but in unholy murder it is a, a case that she really is not that interested when she's told about it. But a coffin has been unearthed on a building site which had once been attached to a convent and a church. And when the coffin, when she sees it, something happens when the lid of the coffin is open because Ooh. the satin lining has claw marks and the content of the coffin is a young skeleton nun 
And so it is a murder investigation. How old is this nun? Where does she come from? How did she get into that coffin? Who put her in there? And so it's, you know, a lot of characters hide beneath the protection of the church. And so it was a book that took a lot of research from me, really. It sounds incredible and terrifying. I genuinely have nightmares about being buried alive. So (laughs) it's just put the chills in my spine, certainly. And finally, who do you think would enjoy The Sphinx? Truthfully, I think it crosses to both male and female. But the fascination, I think it will be very, very interesting to women to say, my God, what beauty can do and how it can be so destructive. Well, men are going to read it and think, would I have wanted to be with that woman? Fascinating. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Linda. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you. The Sphinx by Hugo Vickers is Linda LaPlante's pick. You can find it on the Audible app today, as well as Linda's most recent book, Unholy Murder, which is the next in the Tennyson Detective series. Now it's that time in the show where we get to hear from our partner in crime, Audible Sessions, where Audible invites some of your favourite authors to talk about their new releases. And this week, I've chosen a clip from Safraz Manzoor's Audible Session. Safraz is an author, journalist and screenwriter. He's the author of Greetings from Berry Park, which he turned into a film called Blinded by the Light. We reviewed his book in Series 2, Episode 10, All Aboard. In this Audible session, Safraz speaks to Holly Newson about his latest book, They, What's Changing for Muslims in the UK, and Arranged Marriages. Let's have a quick listen. Part of what I was trying to do in the book was to try and empathise with stories that are uncomfortable or difficult, you know, because I think it's kind of easy to make yourself the hero of your own story. And so with that chapter, for example, it had been really easy for me to basically just write something which was blasting everybody who didn't support my relationship. But I'm not sure what good that would have done, because in a way, my story is similar to quite a lot of other people who've had also those things. And to just use it as a, these people are crazy, isn't really going to get you very far. So what I was trying to work out was what would prompt the kind of feelings of resistance that my family had? What are the underlying reasons? And so I tried to have some empathy for that, because I don't think just frustration and feeling raw gets us very far. I really liked what Safraz said there because he decided to take a balanced view of an issue that clearly still has affected him even to today. And it's really sad to hear that he had to kind of fight to marry the person he loved, but that he has come to some sort of understanding about the issue and how like complex and layered it is. And that it's actually not really about demonizing or singling out individual members of his family for holding these viewpoints. I thought that was just really, really interesting. In fact, everything he said in that session was really interesting. You can get more from Safraz Manzoor by downloading his full Audible session for free on the Audible website where you can also get his latest book, They, and his memoir, Greetings from Berry Park. And finally, it's time for our listener's corner, which means I get to hear from one of you about a book, podcast or drama you are loving. 
This week, our recommendation comes from Andy for Safe on Black British Men Reclaiming Space by Derek Arusu. Here's what he thought. My name is Andy Jabo, and last year I read Safe on Black British Men Reclaiming Space, which is effectively an anthology of essays from Black British men, edited by Derek Arusu. With the modern emphasis on diversity and inclusion, it's important that Black British men's voices and stories are also thrown in the mix. In Black men, salacious hypermasculinity, that is sexual insatiability and aggression, athleticism and violence, is almost stereotypically expected. And these stereotypes are perpetuated and exacerbated in the media's representations to such an extent that these conceptions can become internalised by other people, particularly by young black males themselves. For black people, the importance of being intentional about the music, entertainment and literature consumed and engaged with, and how blackness plays an integral role in shaping thinking when constructing a sense of self-identity and self-awareness cannot be stressed enough. And that's why I'm a big fan of this book and I highly recommend it. Thank you, Andy. What a great recommendation of Safe by Derek Wusu. It sounds like a powerful listen and one that has a lot to offer. As a thank you, we're sending you two credits to download anything you like from the Audible website or app. And for your chance to win some credits, why not send us a review too? Just send us a short message telling us about your favourite listen and you might get featured here. Record a voice note on your phone or send us your thoughts and I'll read them out. Email your reviews or voice notes to us at yhihf at audible.co.uk or tweet us at yhihfpod. But please remember, keep your reviews spoiler free. And sadly, that's all for this week's You Heard It Here First. In case you missed any of the titles we recommended today, here they are again. The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro. Midsummer Mysteries by Agatha Christie. Billie Eilish, in her own words, by Billie Eilish. From Cradle to Stage by Virginia Grohl. The Sphinx by Hugo Vickers. Unholy Murder by Linda LaPlante. Safraz Manzoor's Audible Session. Safe on Black British Men Reclaiming Space by Derek Awusu. Don't forget to catch up with us in between shows on social media. Send us your favorite or current listen and tag at YHIHFpod on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're there, give us a follow too. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content Is Queen. Presented by me, Imriel Morgan. Additional voices by Amber Miller and Lazara Morgan. And featuring Francis Erlem and Linda LaPlante. It was produced by Amber Miller and Ellie Clifford. Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan. And the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Pinto.